The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Patrick Beverly is now um, the the new wave. He's like Draymond Green uh, without a regulator, a governor, so we say. Like somebody who's just petty as fuck and is going to say any wild thing that he thinks on national television. So let's recap this 24 hours that he's had. Before the Suns collapse, Patrick Beverly predicted a Mavs victory and then tweeted out the following. Y'all stay locked in. Let's see who pulls the fake hurt move down a dub. That, folks is a world-class shot at Chris Paul. And just like clockwork, Chris Paul limped off the court following the single worst performance, not just of the playoffs, but his entire career. He was a negative 39, and Pat Bev jumped all over him again when someone tweeted a video of CP3, which Mark Spears reported was a quad injury. Pat Bev then quote-tweeted it and said, stay woke with the facepalm emoji. And that was just the beginning. Pat Bev then went on get up. First take, absolutely ethered Chris Paul. He said so many funny and slanderous things that it's almost impossible to know where to begin. Here are the highlights. He started by going in on Chris Paul's lack of defense. There ain't nobody worried about Chris Paul and Kurt Ferenc Sons. Nobody in the NBA. But what did I just say, though? And I'm just letting you know how NBA players feel. I, I, be- I believe you, but what I'm saying he's is... He's finessed the game to a point where he's, he, he gets all the petty calls, all the swipe throughs at the end. I mean, this guy is out, man. We're going to be honest? We want to be really honest? Yes. He should have fouled out. He's so petty. Game, he's so mad. You see the replay against Bronson. Hit him on the shoulder. Hit him in the mouth. Ref don't call anything. If that's me, oh, review it. Oh, flagrant one. If that's him, they don't call it. So let's not get it twisted, man. He should have fouled out. He can't guard. He literally can't guard. He can't guard. Yeah. He, he can't guard. Chris Paul can't guard anybody? Is that what you say? Nine-time all-defensive player, Chris Paul? I don't know that. I haven't heard anybody tell me that. You, yeah, because you haven't suited up. You know guys don't like to tell you all the truth. You know that. Because they scared. They scared. They scared what you going to take No, 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 no. He's right about that. They will, they will lie. Yeah, he will, he's honest. They will lie. They that will is lie. true. He's not lying about man, that. Man, CP can't guard nobody, man. Everybody in the NBA know that. Guard. Okay, let's face it. Cone? Wait, he called him a cone, too. Where's that at? Everybody he knows that. Anybody. What we call, like when, in the summertime, you got cones. You know what you do with cones? Everybody he knows that. Anybody. What we call them? Cone. You know what you do with cones? Like when in the summertime, you got a cone. You make a move. What does the cone do? Stay still. Exactly. He's a cone. Stop playing, man. Everybody that knows right. that. Everyone knows that. It's just y'all don't want to accept it. because no, I don't accept people. that. Shoot over him, obviously. That's but an give issue. him the but Ben Simmons slander. Give him the PG-13 slander. Give him the slander that you give everybody. Then, 
He called it a cone. That might be the most disrespectful thing anybody could call anybody. An immobile piece of plastic and rubber on the floor whose sole purpose is to be an inanimate obstruction that you can easily move around for gameplay. That's, that's what he called Chris Paul, a cone. No, said nobody worries about Chris Paul guarding them. That's false. Then he explains the difference between someone like Steph Curry and Chris Paul. It gets even worse. It gets even worse, folks. NBA, go to sleep. Do guys in the NBA go to sleep early the night before playing the Phoenix Suns? Hell no. No. You mean as a team or would you talk about Chris Paul individual? Chris Paul individual. Okay. No. I'm going to Stake 44 over there in Phoenix. I'm mm. going to have me a nice little wine, probably sweat it out, and uh, the pregame shoot around and get ready for Chris Paul. Steph Curry, I'm going, I'm going to bed at 8 o'clock. Mom, don't call me. My girl, don't call me. I don't, I'm, I'm locked in right now. It's not. It's, it's, it's two different monsters. That's all. Do- Jesus. I don't even know what to say. Why is Patrick Beverly coming after Chris Paul, you might ask? When did they become having beef? First and foremost, it goes back to the trade between Houston Rockets and the L.A. Clippers. Pat Bev was in Houston. He was doing a little thing with James Harden. They were making a little run. And then Pat Bev got traded to L.A. for Chris Paul. And then Chris Paul apparently was talking all kinds of shit to Pat Bev. And the way that social media is reacting, it's clear that the Suns have talked a ton of shit to Pat Bev over the last couple of seasons and a lot of people, and probably not just to Pat Bev, but to the entire league. As they came up so fast, they started talking like they were preordained like the Golden State Warriors do. And there are plenty of people that are just reveling in their loss. Safe to say, two things are going to emerge from Patrick Beverly versus Chris Paul. There's now going to be big-time beef between the Suns and the Wolves. And ESPN just found its next Draymond Green. J.J. Redick and Bev together? More of that, please. <laughs> Sit down. Be humble. And they are. They are sitting down. They are going home. The Phoenix Suns. I have doubts, folks. All my T-shirts that say Suns and four, I don't know I can wear them anymore right now. I think they stay in the closet. I think they stay in the drawers. Honestly, I don't even know how to break this down, folks. I am stunned. I think the collective NBA community is stunned. You're talking about a number one seed getting its ass kicked. Just a comprehensive embarrassment and emasculation. It's a go run and hide. Hide your kids. Hide your wives. They raping everybody up in there. Like, they pillaged. They were Genghis Kong. They did things that we can't even speak about out loud. Put their on their shoulders. I tell you what, it was obscene. I mean, this could have demolished an entire franchise before their window even got set. DeAndre Ayton's in the middle of a max contract extension conversation, and now who knows what's going to happen with that. I think if the Mavs would have won this in a close game, maybe nobody even blinks. Like, oh, Luka's on another planet. But they were down 30 points at halftime. They got outscored as a team by Luka himself in the first half. They had 27 points, and Luka had 27 points. They had 27 points and a half. That is, that is obscene. I want to say the, the Suns had one of the best offensive ratings in the league this year. What happened at the halftime speech? Because they came out of halftime and gave up an 8-0 run 
to the Mavs, just no urgency. How does this happen? You had CP3 book an eight and one for 15. One for 15 in the first half. To me, that seems impossible. How do I process it? I don't even know. What's what's fascinating to me about this is that the Suns created a roster to do every in the offseason to do everything that they could to stop Giannis from doing Giannis things. And they didn't even realize they had to get there. They just forgot that there's an entire whole gauntlet of teams that play in different ways you have to game plan for to get there as well. It was like they just thought they were just going to just take a take a shuttle to the finals. Just whoop, everything else just good. I, I the Bucks get shot down by the Celtics and get their own doors blown out by the Mavs by keeping things the same and not having flexibility themselves like with PJ Tucker. Get rid of guys, you look over guys, you get an injury, Chris Middleton out and night night. Did they look past the Mavs? A lot of people think that they just look past them. I don't think it's just that simple. Because you look at the way that the the roster is constructed, and I thought that they could have been built to beat anyone. I thought that they had enough 3 and D guys on the wings that they could win any series. They had multiple three-point shooters. Torrey Craig shoots 33%. Jay Crowder shoots 35% from three. Cam Johnson shoots 39% from three. Mikael Bridges 37% from three. And they were just too busy getting their bigs in order and their house clean in that front court. What if they neutralize our bigs? Aiton doesn't shoot threes in the way that Nick Batum does, like the Clippers. Reggie uh, Bullock, Bullock, as they say. Maxi Kleba. They just didn't fix the matchups. Trying to dissect this loss is wild because it makes you realize that the game is just changing right before our eyes without us being able to even process and and write about and analyze what we're experiencing. Ty Lue changed the game in that Utah Jazz series in a way that now has set a blueprint for other teams to replicate. It's called, as John Hollinger would call it, this new term that I had never heard before today, which is called space ball. Never heard of it before today. It's a good, really good term. Basically, the L.A. Clippers and Ty Lue ran five small three-point shooters, smaller three-point shooters, but big enough that they can defend anyone against the Jazz and ran them off the court on the perimeter. They're switching everything. They all can shoot threes, and now Rudy Gobert is completely useless. The Clippers also did the same thing to the Suns last year and almost won that series. It was closer than we remember. And that should have been a warning shot that the Suns were very vulnerable. There's now a new villain in town, and it's now the small ball 3 and D lineup. Not quite small as the Warriors go. It's like the 6-8, 3 and D. I mean, that's potent. If you're 6'2", and everybody else is 6'5 and up, it's kind of like what the Raptors are trying to do. It's amazing what one loss 
can do to a franchise. With one series blow, now reports are that Aiton, he's out of there. He didn't even want to go back into the game. He told them no, I'm hearing. And then they asked Monty Williams, what's up with that? And he's like, it's internal. It's internal? Excuse me? Does that mean he was like, deuces, I'm out of here. You guys are on some bull. Monty never seems to get upset about Aiton. And now he's, he's harshly being like, it's internal. Phoenix now has a huge decision to make. Do they pay Aiton? They've got rights to Aiton. Aiton can't go anywhere if he doesn't, if they don't want him to. They can match any offer that anybody puts out as a restricted free agent. That's how it go. Do they let him walk? Do they do a sign and trade? Do they lean into the smaller lineup? Guys on TNT made a very interesting point. They said what Phoenix really lacked was a reliable third option on the court, a guy who could get you a bucket when Book was double teamed and CP3 is either hampered or blitzed or cold. I thought that that could be Cam Johnson or Campaign or Mikhail Bridges, and it's basically neither. The other thing that was brought up is that they really miss Dario Saric, who can stretch the floor, but he's still coming off of an ACL tear. He's still in contract. Perfect wing who can also play the center, who can hit a three. But to me, what I feel happened the most when you kind of process it in real time is that Monty Williams got outcoached. He didn't do thing to change the way that it needed to go. Like, tell me this. Do you think that playing Jay Crowder at the small five, Mikel Bridges at the four, Cam Johnson at the three, Book at the two, and CP3 at the one seems to maybe do the same thing as what the Mavs were trying to do? Kind of feels like that to me. Cause a ton of problems for opposing teams, but somehow Monty Williams just let Jason Kidd dictate everything. And then say, well, you know what? We're just going to continue to do the same thing over and over again. We're going to run pick and roll with DA. DA's getting cooked out there. DA's frustrated. He's not aggressive enough. Then DA's like, fuck it. I'm out of here. You guys haven't paid me. Robert Sarver's probably going to be forced to sell the team. This place is bullshit. It's just a team that was just a tad bit too cocky, filling themselves. They built a team to beat the Bucks without realizing they got to beat a lot of good teams. They have a lot of lineup flexibility, and you got to get there. Grizz play like that space ball. You got the Mavs doing it. You got the Clippers doing it. And now they're going to have to deal with the Nuggets trying to do the same thing as well with Jokic at, on the perimeter. Four good teams that can play like that. Not even taking into account the Warriors that are there doing that same thing as well to a lesser degree? So what's the future in Phoenix? I think it's very murky. I think Aiton is gone. And I don't even know what they do if that happens. Like, find ways to get guys involved on the perimeter. I don't know. Reggie Bullock was a huge signing. Spencer Dinwiddie was out there. You could have gotten him. Big 6'5 guard who can defend, who can shoot threes off the bench. Monty Williams should have benched DA. If that was Ty Lue, that's what he would have done. Nobody is immune. Chris Paul might have been benched if that was Ty Lue. Nobody is immune. It's matchup-based. It's not merit-based. It's matchup-based. It's not what have you done in the last 60 games. It's what have you done right now. And a week ago, the craziest thing is I never even thought we would have this discussion. I thought that the Suns were the favorite. I think everybody else did too. They overperformed expectations last year 
thought that they should be able to surpass these expectations from basically overperforming this year without noting that a lot of things broke their way last year to get them there. The league changing right before our eyes. And I think it's going to be very, very chaotic this offseason with Robert Sarver needing to probably sell the team, a buyer not wanting to be in the luxury tax when they buy a team or buy an asset. And then where do you go? Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts.